get the scratch written right into it like the timpani part. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you, if, if, there's, if there's anything I enjoy better than roast goose, I would like to know what... Well, there are certain things, but, uh, of course, with the kids up and all that, we can't go into that. But, uh, nevertheless, uh, if you've never had roast goose, all I can say is that I feel sorry for you. And now, on the other hand, I can say, in a way, I envy you because you will you will be uh, you will be fantastically surprised the first time you have it. You know, this is rarely eaten in America, comparatively. Would you agree, Jerry? And 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 it, it's one of the great mysteries of uh, of the uh, food world that in other places, like for example, in France and in Germany and in England. Uh, the goose is considered a prime delicacy. And, uh, in fact, that was the whole point of... Uh, of uh, well, well you, re- you remember that, that great story. Don't you remember that great story? Uh, oh, uh, it's about this guy that worked in this office, you remember? He had this rotten boss. And uh, he was having a bad time with the boss. He worked years for the, you know, with this guy... And the boss was a skin flint, wouldn't give him any time off. You remember that story? What was that story? And then, uh, yes, uh, he. And then finally, uh, it was Christmas Eve, and uh, the boss wanted to work that night. You remember? He said, "Hell with it. What do you mean, Christmas Eve? You don't mean to tell me we're going to knock off just because it's Christmas? What are you talking about? Don't you remember years ago we put in a 32-hour day uh, policy here? What is it, Christmas? Don't give me the Christmas." And I, I remember the guy that worked in this office, if I remember correctly, uh, he uh, yeah, he was a clerk, I remember, a clerk. And then finally, uh, after a lot of stuff happened, the boss went out and he apparently got bombed or something because the boss was seeing all these, you know, he had all kinds of, uh, well, psychedelic, uh, you know, psychedelic hallucinations really is what happened. And uh, the boss went straight that night. The boss, uh, you know, he was signed the he signed the papers, and he came back and he gave that guy that worked in in his office, uh, he gave him this goose, and it was you know kind of a heartwarming thing because uh, they had never had anything to eat back at his house for years. They did they had given up eating years before because this guy this was well before the unions. Uh, they did not have a union at that office. By the way, I'd like to ask you a question about this story if you remember the story. I'll <laughs> get out of here. I'd like to ask you a question. May I ask you a question out there? Since all of you like to pride yourself on being uh, uh, literate uh, Americans, what was the name of the of the boss? The boss, by the way, gave his name to a word in our literature. What was the name of that boss? He used to be played by uh, by an American actor. He used to do it on the radio all the time. What was his name? He was played in the movies by Alastair Sim. Well, you're right. Uh, you're right. Ebenezer Stooge. Have you, oh, you remember him? And that's where the word Stooge came from. You know, people always say he's stooging around or he's a real Stooge man. Well, he gave his name. It's not many people give their name to become a word in the language. You know, Rube Goldberg did it, uh, but not many. And, and Ebenezer Stooge gave his name to the language. Now, next question. What was the name of the clerk who worked in the office? Do you remember? Don't you remember? Well, I'll give you a clue. He had a daughter named Becky. 
What was his name? Well, okay, I'll tell you what his name was. It was Bob Thatcher. His daughter was Becky Thatcher. You remember that? And what was the name of the the uh, the boss's partner? The boss had a partner, and uh, and I'll give you a clue. the the bo- The boss's partner had died. Well, I'll guarantee you, there's nobody uh, over the age of uh, three uh, who does not immediately recognize these things. Without it, doesn't have to be, you know, cued in or anything like that. And uh, when you, when you think about these great things that are part of our time, let's take literature has given great many of these things to us. Uh, for example, what was the name of the uh, of the guy who you, you you all remember Moby Dick, right? The white whale, correct? You remember that? You remember the captain that stumped around on the quarter deck with a wooden leg? Okay, what was the name of the guy who told the story? It wasn't Captain Ahab. It wasn't Moby Dick. You remember the opening line? He said, "Call me Israel." That was the opening line. Call me Israel. Now these these names are are, are so in, uh, so integral a part uh, of our culture that it's almost even if you haven't read it, you know. Call me Israel. One of the famous first lines in literature. Uh, this is W O R New York, which of course is also an integral. Really, it's it's an, it's an integral part of the culture. It's impossible to imagine New York without W O R, isn't it? There were, in fact, I've seen it scroll down uh, on the on the uh, beams down in the Twenty Third Street subway. I saw it the other day. There will always be a gambling. It said, "That's quite true." Another one said, "Gambling lives," which is quite true. Underneath, somebody wrote, "Why?" But you know, the, there's always one smart guy in a crowd. You just can't deal with smart people like that. I just don't. You hate smart? You know, almost said the real thing there, George. Uh, <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised. You know, a lot of you nice people out there just don't know what kind of language I really have deep inside my head that I never use on the radio. I do use it around here a lot, right, George? Bad stuff. I got a spray paint can. I go around and I spray the bulletin boards here, you know, put a little graffiti on there. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> the author, by the way. And if you remember the author who wrote the story of, of the man who had that office, and what was their business? What did they do? What did they do in that office? They had a roll-top desk. And Bob Thatcher would sit at the roll-top desk with a green eye shield on. And he would, he would constantly work on the books. And uh, then the time when, uh, when Stooge left the office, went home, and fell asleep, and uh, this terrible ghost of barley came back and rattled his chains and said, I am the ghost of Christmas what? what he said. So see, this gets very complicated. When, uh, <laughs> oh, you know. And yet, yet it's so simple because we all know these things. And, and tonight I would like to talk about the goose, if I may. You know, for those of you who, who have never had goose, I would like to, I'd like to tell you this, that if you've had goose and have not liked it, and, and some people have, that's because it has not been properly prepared. Because goose is not like uh, chicken, for example, which you can, you know, you can fake. Anybody can fix a chicken, you know. It's no problem at all. Uh, although I have, had, I have had chicken that's indescribably bad. I mean, I've had chicken that's been literally turned into bubble gum. Now, how they do that, I don't know. But, uh, you know, but seriously, the goose, if, you, if, you, if you're planning on having a goose this year, 
if anybody you know is out there saying, you know, I think I'll have a goose this year. Uh, uh, one one word of warning: the goose must be cooked slowly, and it must be cooked thoroughly, and it must be cooked in a way that the that the the, the grease and the fat drains off of it all the time. It cannot be cooked in a big pan like a turkey, see. So the, 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 the grease, the fat, just sort of drips out of it. And slowly but surely, this goose becomes a work of art. Now, for those of you who have never had a goose, I'll warn you, it does not taste like any other, any other fowl. Do you agree with that, George? It has a distinctive flavor. And the meat is, is dark chocolate colored. Good suggestion. Any of you people in New York live in a in an apartment house where they will not allow a uh, dog you know some apartment houses now maybe in your lease they don't mention geese <laughs> well I'm serious there is no better watchdog than a goose and furthermore they lay a pretty good egg a goose have you ever had a goose egg incidentally that's another thing you see how they bad mouth a goose what happens when when uh, when a team shuts out another team? They say nothing but goose eggs on the scoreboard, right? They don't say nothing but turkey eggs on the scoreboard. They say goose eggs. Well, the goose egg is a big, fat, great egg, and it, it's a good tasting egg too, by the way. If you've never had goose eggs, but he makes a fantastic, tremendous watchdog, and he'll just squat down there in your apartment once he gets to know you. You see, it's your goose, you know. And you, you come in there, you know, and you give him a little corn or whatever is a goose. You know, corn. he likes a little corn now and again. And he, you know. And by the way, a goose likes his booze. Might interest you to know that a goose, he, he'll, he'll, he'll hit the jug if you don't watch him. He, he likes particularly, and this may interest you, George, specifically, he particularly likes bourbon. And uh, I'm not kidding you. You think I'm kidding? You know what they do with a goose? <laughs> Serious, George. That, that if you, if you want ever, ever want to see a goose... If uh, if you'd like to see the catching a goose is a problem, and this is even a problem on a farm. So they're very fast, they move like lightning, and they will peck you like hell. I mean, a goose will pick you apart. I'm going to tell you, he'll pluck you like a chicken, and he's fast. His head goes back and forth like a hammer. You know, he's really really a mean animal when he wants to be mean. So the farmer knows this, you know. The farmer says we're going to have a we're, we're going to have a goose tomorrow night, you know. We'd like to get that big one. That big one is squatting back there by the barn, you know. And so every time they get near him, he has a sixth sense, you know, like the crow. That the crow, if you think you 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 know something about smart birds, let me tell you this: that when I lived out the turning goose on sort of, you know, bran, uh, corn, that kind of stuff. But what has he done with it? He has mixed about uh, oh about seven shots of moderately good bourbon with it. He's just mixed it up, see. Well, the goose comes wandering over there. He figures, you know, it's just another feeding time. And uh, he sees that he sees that corn there, and he takes one shot at the corn. He goes, you know, he grabs a piece of corn. He starts chomping away at it, that mash. Oh, boy. The good corn has come in today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, and within 30 seconds, he has knocked down that entire pan of that brand mash, along with a, you know, with about four good shots of Jim Beam choice, and uh, he's put it away, and he starts walking back by the barn, and at that point, something happens to the goose, just like happens to all of us after four or five nice belts of Jim Beam choice, 
he starts squatting down and he begins to sing old Barracks ballads that he learned as a young goose, you know. And he gets friendly. He, you know, he walks over and he, he starts telling the farmer dirty jokes and he starts wallowing around. He starts chasing the lady geese around, you know, and, and uh, he just goes, uh, you know, well, you know, all his guard is down. And 15 minutes later, there he is. He's on the grill. And, uh, <laughs> okay. There's a warning in that for all of us, friends. Yes. John Barleycorn has met the downfall of many of my listeners, many of my friends. Yes, they've made bad moves under the influence of booze. I wonder how many guys have, have gotten involved with the wrong chick under the influence of, uh, of the sauce and regretted it all their lives. <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, what's the matter, Nick? <laughs> that stopped them, didn't it? It's the first time he's listened to my show in years. Thank God he may le- he may learn something if he hangs around long enough, you know. But that, nevertheless, uh, the, the the lowly goose is a, is a great animal. And I'd like to read a little more of this. It says, if you'd like to care, you know, have a unique burger alarm, you try this method. You just get yourself a goose. And uh, they're quiet, really. The goose doesn't quack much like a duck, you know. You don't hear much quacking. Uh, he does have one tendency, though. The goose has the most sinister hiss that I've ever heard. Have you ever heard a goose hissing? Have you ever heard a few, Jerry? Well, I've had terrible, terrible relationships with geese. Uh, yes, I had. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, people would grow this stuff in the backyards. You know, there's a funny thing. They, 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 they have a, and they're not going to eat them, and they just have a goose. In the backyard, or they have a chicken, or they have a... You've seen people, they have a chicken, you know, pet chicken around. Well, <laughs> one one time in our neighborhood, uh, oh, about two or three doors down, there was this lady who, who bought, got herself one of these great big white geese. Big one, you know, great big, and they're so smooth. The goose is a beautiful-looking thing. He's smooth, and he's got this neck, and it just sort of stretches out. And he has a very intelligent eye, the goose. Well, I'm a kid, you know, and I'm messing around back there, and I'd, I'd walk past the fence. She had this fence. And I'd take a stick, you know, and I'd just stick it in the fence and run like hell, packing. You know, I'd go past with a fence, see. And I did it for one reason, because the goose lived under her back porch. And I'd run past, and the goose would come out, and his wings are outstretched, and he'd stand looking between the bars of that fence couldn't get his head through. And his head would wave back and forth like a snake. And I'd stand about four feet from him, just looking at him. And his eyes are red. He'd be going... And he'd, he'd, he'd pull his head back. And then he'd jerk it forward like a snake. Have you ever seen a snake strike? That's the way a goose goes. He'd just go... And he'd lunge forward. Well, this went on for about three months. Every couple of days, I'd think of a goose. And I'd be walking down the alley, coming home from being a safety patrol boy. I wonder whether or not being connected with the law leads you to unlawful behavior. I've often wondered about this. I'm serious about it. Uh, I, I, uh, you know, after all, when you're a kid and you're a safety patrol boy, you are the law. You're the kid law. I mean, you're, 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 you know, 
and 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 more. I, I did more bad stuff. Now that I think back on it, when I was wearing my safety patrol badge with the white belt and all that jazz, than I ever did before I was one of those guys. For example, we got out of school early. This in itself leads to crime. We were the only kid on the streets. You know, and all the others are still squatting in their singing stuff in the singing class or something, you know. And uh, I'm walking around. That was the, you know, it was during the during the, a patrol boy uh, stretch of duty that me and Schwartz knocked off the... Uh, fire alarm but just he just threw a rock at it and knocked it right off the right off the pole and uh you know we spent a good afternoon hiding under the porch that day but <laughs> and i just wonder now it just hit me i wonder if there is any connection with being uh with being too close to the law you know being the law whether it leads to being illegal very close connection there so I'm coming home every day from being a patrol boy, and I'd walk home. See, I was home early. So I'd walk along, and I'd see that goose. Well, if there were other kids with me, I wonder if I'd have done it. And I'd take the stick, and this goose would come running out. He never learned. He would come running out every day, and every day he would run up to the fence and, you know, slam on the brakes. Something about that popping stick made him buck. Well, it's kept up for maybe five or six months. Well, you know, just casually. I'd go past, I'd do the thing with a stick. And the goose would come running out every day. <laughs> One day, as comes to all, I'm going to warn you, kids, if you're planning a life of crime. And I don't suspect that you plan a life of crime. What I think is, you know, you just sort of develop a life of crime. It's not something you just sit around and plan. I think what I'm going to be when I grow up is a pickpocket. It uh, doesn't work like that. You just sort of slip into it, right? Well, uh, I, I I was slipping into crime there, see, and and it was a sadistic kind of crime. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was I was a goose heckler. Uh, I was I was a working uh, harasser of geese. One goose in particular. He had a name. I don't know why he was named. His name was Fred. And uh, every day I would run past, and this woman would come out. And she'd hear the goose yelling. She'd hear me run past with the, with the stick. And it was like a ritual. She'd come running out, and I'd hear her, Oh, you stop running! Stop running the goose! Will you stop that now? Stop it! I'm going to call your mother! And she'd go back in. And the goose would stand by the fence and go, And I wouldn't say anything. I'd walk right up past. Oh, he looked with such hatred. Fantastic hatred. Well... And, uh, and this, I don't know quite how to approach this. It is a fact that in any pursuit of a life of crime, there's always one mistake made. Now, if you're lucky, that mistake will not cost you. But if you're like most people, it will. You agree? That's what, well, look, the pens are full of them. Every one of those guys made one bad mistake. Yep, they got caught. Well, yeah, but how did they get caught? They made a mistake. They didn't get, just get caught. They made a mistake. You know, like, uh, for example, uh, uh, you blow the front of the safe off, and instead of uh, using uh, one-tenth of an ounce of nitroglycerin, you use four-tenths of an ounce. I open the back door, and that, that mother, he comes running right after me. He goes, whoa, he's in the kitchen. 
I run through the kitchen. My mother's standing over the sink, you know, and the goose comes running right in, and he's flapping his wings. Ah, ah! I run, and I slam the door in the jar, and I run into the pot. All I could do was run the toilet. I, t- I threw it like that, and I could hear my mother screaming. She went there. What's going on? Ah, ah! And I hear out there, my old man, he comes running up in the basement. And I hear him, he's got this big... He comes running up, you know. What is that? What is that? Kill it, George. I don't know what that thing's doing, but it ain't playing. Well, I want to tell you, man, it was fantastic. We had a goose in the kitchen for about five minutes. Now, that's... I, I'm, I'm going to... You know, it's going to sound like a fiction. It's going to sound like fiction to a lot of you. But it ain't. No way. And ever since that time, you know, I, he came... Well, I'll tell you what he did. He came flying into the kitchen. See, my mother's hanging over the sink, and he just came in. Well, of course, this confused him. Probably the first time he was ever in a kitchen. <laughs> he comes running in. He ran into the kitchen table. Hit his head on the, on, the, on, the, on the leg, you know. He ran in there, flopping his wings. He staggered around. He's kind of knocked a little cuckoo, you know, hitting that thing. And I'm in the jot. My mother doesn't know what the hell this thing is. It's a gigantic thing flapping. She screamed. The old man comes running up. Well, about five minutes, they're chasing this thing around in the kitchen with a broom. And finally, he leaves. You know, they kick him out the back door. <laughs> he runs out the porch. And now, wait a minute. You ain't heard the last of it. He stays out on the porch waiting for somebody to come out. He's going to get him and hiss it. And that lady comes over, and she is screaming like mad. And she says, you got my goose. And the old man says, get him out of here before I kill him. She says, kill him. He's going to kill you. And he's sitting out there hissing and banging away. And ever since that time, I've had a profound, a profound respect for geese. Yes, sir. And I want to tell you, <laughs> it's a very strange animal, the goose. May I do a commercial here? You got a, you got a, you got a little uh, uh, music in there for me? This is, this is live. All right. All right, how live can you do a general tire? I mean, they will try. When Detroit chooses a new tire for their cars, they don't just jump at the first tire that rolls by. No way, friend. Uh, many of them use the 40,000-mile dual-steel radio. That uh, big, beautiful general dual-steel radio from General Tire. Get that 40,000-mile tire. And by the way, it's available at your local General Tire headquarters with the big red G. Yes, sir, Gene. Let's see. In the Bronx, you can see Murray Lester at Bronx General Tire 579 Grand Concourse. <laughs> yeah, he's never. You know, I'll tell you uh, one more thing. I'd like to. I'd like to uh, say about the goose, though. He may be mean. Maybe there is a correlation between meanness and good taste. He may be mean, but man, he tastes great. Uh, that's right. Uh, he he really does. And, and every year at this time, there's one place in town, for example, that I always go. One, as long as I've been in New York, it's, it's very hard to get geese on the menu. You rarely see goose on menus in restaurants. Do you agree with that? And, and every year at this time, there's one place in town that I go to. There's several places I know. There's a place down on 14th Street, Lou Shaw's has it. Uh, but on, on 44th Street, right, out, right around the corner from the station here, uh, the Blue Ribbon. You ever been to the Blue Ribbon? You know about it? Well, the Blue Ribbon's on 44th. You ought to go down there. It's uh, right off of Broadway, between 6th and Broadway there. Oh, man, every year at this time, that goose is on the menu. She, I mean, it comes out, they do it right, you know, with a little red cabbage on the side. 
God. <laughs> oh, you know, and it, 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 it makes this season uh, uh, worthwhile in spite of all that yelling and hollering and people plucking away at you in the crowds and, and the writing words on the side of your car when you park it and all that jazz, you know. Somehow there's a few good things left. But uh, <laughs> I would tell you, though, that that goose, I've had my trouble. You know, that I'm probably the only guy you know who was not only attacked once by a goose, but I'm the only man I ever heard of who was physically attacked by a peacock. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> Maybe it is that I look like a grain of corn. I don't know. But uh, nevertheless, friends, I can tell you this. That the, a, a goose would make one of the most fantastic watchdogs that you could ever have here in New York. He's squatting there next to your, next to your TV set. And the goose gets to know you. They get to be a pet. They do. And if he does not know you, can't hear you, George. <laughs> if he doesn't know you, if the goose does not know you, his sense of smell, his sense of sight, his sense of, of danger, imminent danger, makes him one of the best watchdogs in the world. That many farms use the goose as a watchdog. But I can see this watchdog in, in your apartment on, uh, you know, 86th Street. Some guy's trying to get in the... Tra training? He don't need no training. How do you train a goose? Well, you can sick him on your uncle. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how you train them, but they, they're, they're natural-born watchdogs. The goose is, is naturally unfriendly to anybody who ain't feeding them. That's really basically the point. So if you start feeding your goose... Uh, after a while, uh, anybody that shows up and starts knocking on the door and climbing in the window is going to have a great big thing climbing all over them, hissing and yelling and pecking away and biting. And so tonight, housebreaking? Well, the goose doesn't have those problems. The goose has very exotic plumbing, folks. And uh, we'll go into that. That comes into a later... Uh, that's, that's next semester. That's uh, for the later crowd. How you housebreak a goose? Well, I don't know. That's a whole chapter. <laughs> uh, and so tonight,